Hi listeners, this is Sonali Rajan, your Research for Solutions host. On behalf of the entire Research for Solutions team, we wanted to take a moment to share some personal thoughts before this next episode begins. First, we know this is an extraordinarily difficult time for so many, and we hope you all are staying well and safe during the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Our hearts and thoughts are with those of you who may be sick or who have loved ones who are, and our deepest and most heartfelt thanks go out to all of the frontline workers, physicians, nurses, social workers, public health professionals, grocery store clerks, maintenance crews, laboratory techs, and so many others who are doing so much to keep our community safe. The episode that you are about to listen to was recorded earlier this year, in January and February, and before the COVID-19 crisis reached its current scale in the United States, and in particular here in New York City where we are based. While we know that the topics we are about to address may not feel as urgent as the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, we also know that gun violence, adverse childhood experiences, and the other issues we contend with in this episode nonetheless continue to persist. With that in mind, we hope you find continuing to engage with these topics alongside us as generative as we have, and we hope to continue to be in touch and keep moving forward along with all of you. Let's show them how the doorbell works. So we're walking and we walk down the stairs and we're at the entrance of my little one's preschool and Nick, go ahead, we're gonna press the doorbell. And then once it clicks, the door unlocks and this is their new system. Even with something as simple as how students enter the building, schools face choices that balance safety measures with the learning environments they seek to create. In this episode, we broaden our thinking about the impacts of gun violence by looking into ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences, and how they relate to the threat of school gun violence in particular. I'm Lalitha Vasudevan, Professor of Technology and Education at Teachers College, Columbia University, Director of the Media and Social Change Lab, and co-producer of this podcast. For this episode, I'll be our narrator, and we turn the microphone on our usual host, Sonali Rajan. I interview her about her research on responses to the threat of gun violence in schools, and how that relates to adverse childhood experiences, or ACEs. Then, Sonali talks with Daniel Casal from Trauma Free NYC about how work on ACEs can inform service providers and policymakers in New York City. And she takes things close to home by talking with Lori, the director at her son's preschool, about how the school addresses safety concerns with young children. Research for Solutions is a series where we cover research related to pressing issues in our world today. During this season, we're focusing on unexpected and creative ways that researchers are looking at solutions to the persistence of gun violence. I'm Sonali Rajan, a professor in the Department of Health and Behavior Studies at Teachers College, Columbia University, working with the Media and Social Change Lab. Schools around the country have to balance programs and the pressures they face to ensure school safety with other effects these efforts might have on children. Sonali talks with Lori, the director of her son's preschool, about these challenges. To protect the privacy of participants, we won't be using Lori's full name or the name of the school. When 
the conversation are, shifts to towards intentional violence or the possibility thereof. What do you, how do you grapple with that, just more generally speaking? Does that, is that something you think about in your work? So it's a discussion that we have amongst ourselves, the staff, not necessarily something that we would have with the children who are so young. However, as a staff, we need to be aware of where in the classrooms we would bring the children, um, what part is not visible from the door, and we also have like special door stops that we would use on the inside to secure the room a little more. But you know, you're you're somewhat helpless. Um, you're trying to protect a large group of children who are not your own, and that is a huge responsibility. And without causing that sense of panic for these young children, and putting all that together. It's tricky, um, so we try not to belabor the topic. We try to create a, a community where people are aware of each other, that you know that what you can protect, we are protecting. That awareness of being a community is so important. Um, looking out for each other, you know, making sure that the children are comfortable with all of the adults here, so that doesn't uh, set them off a sense of panic. I talked with Sonali about how she draws on fields of health and well-being in her research to try to broaden our understanding of what it means to be impacted by gun violence. In most research on gun violence, we tend to quantify exposure to gun violence as whether or not someone was injured or killed and with a gun. And from a disease prevention perspective, an injury prevention perspective, an epidemiology perspective, that is a reasonable way in which to say this is how we can document this epidemic. But that misses the ways in which people are exposed and children in particular are exposed to gun violence that might very well be deeply traumatic. So for example, um, children who have witnessed gunfire who hear gunshots as they walk to and from school, for example. As a behavioral scientist, Sonali often encounters the concept of ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences. Since a landmark study in the 1990s by Kaiser Permanente, researchers have tied ACEs, what could be described as traumatic experiences that people suffer as children, to all kinds of different health outcomes later in their lives. These can include substance abuse, cancer, and even oral hygiene, to name just a few. The good news is that we have also developed tools that screen people for ACEs. Once ACEs are identified, people can be connected to services and programs for treatment and prevention. In 2019, Sonali co-authored a paper in the Journal of Behavioral Medicine with three of her colleagues, Charlie Branis, Don Myers, and Nina Agrawal, that reviewed current research on ACEs. Again, that stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences to see whether researchers had considered gun violence in the context of this ongoing work. What I found fascinating, and this is, this, these are conversations I've had now with a number of my colleagues, is that youth exposure to gun violence was never explicitly included in any of these screening measures or even in any of the literature around adverse childhood experiences. And I cannot think of anything 
I'm not sure how that isn't being included in the conversation. And so the paper that I co-authored, we ended up looking at 81 journal articles and essentially said, well, here's what we know about adverse childhood experiences. And then here's what we know about gun violence and exposure to gun violence. And let's can we make a reasonable case that adverse childhood experiences ought to include youth exposure to gun violence? And then the last piece we do highlight in the paper, and, and this felt important to state, was that um, right now, uh, adverse childhood experiences are uh, a funding priority area for federal agencies um, in terms of where they're directing um, uh, resources for scientific study. But gun violence, as many of us know, is not a federal, is not a, a priority area for a lot of politicized reasons. So in our paper, we also argue that if we framed gun violence as an ACE, then maybe that removes the politicized nature of it as an issue. And we can instead think of it as an adverse childhood experience, which it is, um, and redirect some funding sources to the study of this. Sonali sat down with Daniel Kassau, the Senior Program Officer from Trauma-Free NYC, to talk more about ACEs, why they matter, and how ideas about ACEs are starting to change. Trauma-Free NYC is an initiative here at Columbia University that promotes, quote, trauma-informed practices and policies. One way they do this is by providing education centering on ACEs. In her role, Danielle draws on years of experience in education in the classroom, policy spaces, and as a research scientist in early childhood education. I think that most developmental scientists would say there's no greater critical point in life than the early childhood years. And that begins perinatal. And depending on who you talk to, can go up to age eight or, or 10, particularly perinatal through age five to say seven, is it's a critical point um, for development of all the foundational things for a person's life. So the um, brain development is exploding in early childhood, literally, um, which, you know, the example I like to give people is when you think about two-year-olds and they're happy one minute and 10 seconds later they're on the floor melting, having a fit, and then 10 seconds later, they're fine again. And it's because there's so much brain development happening at that point in time. And it's not organized yet. And the brain is trying to figure out how to organize it. And the body is also trying to keep up with it. Everything that happens in their early years sets a foundation for a child's life. And things that happen to children actually impacts the architecture of their brain and then how their body develops and how their emotions develop, how their language develops. You talked a lot about um, household dysfunction, about parents having a substance use problem or struggling with poor mental health, um, uh, other forms of child maltreatment. You mentioned sexual abuse. What are some experiences that are now considered ACEs that have allowed us to expand our definition of what ACEs are and should be? So those original ACEs still stand today. Those are still, those ACEs, if a child has any of those ACEs, it is going to impact their development. It actually changes the structure of your, of the telomeres, which are in your DNA. And then that 
changes the architecture of the brain and um, your your health outcomes. So it does, those ACEs will still impact a, a person's health and their, their life trajectory. There are other ACEs that were not included in the original study that scientists are giving credence to now and studying now. Things such as racism, gun violence, police brutality, the criminal justice system, for example. These are modern day things that they're bad and they, they do impact a child's development and they are ACEs. Research has begun to look into the way experiences with violence and racism overlap. It's important to note that many people experience multiple ACEs. Sonali helps us think about how work on ACEs can connect to gun violence prevention using a story I shared with her about a student I worked with as an example. I think a lot about one of the young people you worked with who had lost someone in his life to gun violence and then was expected to come to school and perform and engage academically, and but was obviously deeply traumatized and a school not having the resources to respond or not knowing how do we respond to that. So I think a lot about that experience. Um, I think uh, even knowing a friend or someone who um, carries a gun regularly, these are all these are all exposures to violence in various forms. They may not be as traumatic as getting shot, but they certainly we can extrapolate from existing research on other forms of violence to say, it is very reasonable to conclude that these are adverse childhood experiences in their own right and that they should be screened for. And if they are then screened for, it means that we are at least aware that they're happening. And it broadens then also the scope and the impact of the gun violence epidemic. So it broadens our understanding of who's really being impacted. But most importantly, it means that we can then redirect these kids to those early intervention, those support services I was mentioning that might mitigate the impact of this kind of exposure on these longer-term outcomes. So we're missing, by not capturing this in our existing screening and assessment measures of ACEs, we're missing opportunities to better support these kids. At Trauma-Free NYC, Danielle and her colleagues teach people across different sectors about ACEs and how they can adopt a trauma-informed approach to work effectively in spaces such as social services and education. If you're going to screen children and families for ACEs, you have to have something to offer them or some place to send them. So I think, I think from my perspective, as someone who is who has a background in early childhood, who was a teacher, perhaps there should be more emphasis on education. And by education, I mean frontline workers. So anybody who's working in a classroom from birth through college through graduate school should receive training in ACEs. Because one of the things that has come out of this work is instead of saying to somebody, what's wrong with you? One of the things that we, we educate people about is a more compassionate approach, and that compassionate approach is what happened to you. We asked how schools can take a trauma-informed approach to dealing with gun violence prevention, one that keeps in mind a broader idea of what it means to be impacted by gun violence. 
That's an excellent question because we know that active shooter drills can be traumatizing for children. Um, we are starting to see that. I don't know the answer, but I what I would say is what I would like to see is more balance. So if there's a way for the school to balance, for example, an active shooter drill or preparing children what to do in those, that, those situations, if there's a way to balance that with, say, meditation in the classrooms, um, opportunity, uh, social-emotional curriculum in the school. So I think probably the best approach would be balance with things that are positive, that are proactive, that give students, teachers, staff opportunities to engage in their feelings in a, in a way that's positive. As Danielle mentioned, an example of ways in which schools are currently responding to the anticipation of gun violence is through the implementation of school safety and security strategies, such as active shooter drills. These kinds of strategies are something Sonali is studying in her work as another way in which exposure to gun violence via the anticipation of gun violence, may be impacting the well-being of children. As a parent of a four-year-old, considering a child's well-being is personal for Sonali. She talked with Lori, her son's preschool director, about how they handle concerns about safety at his school. The school recently installed a doorbell. Even measures such as this that seem simple send a message to children for school leaders to consider. So we're walking through the hallway over to the gym where the kids are playing at the end of the day. I've been director of schools for about almost 20 years now. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, so Lori, can you tell us a little bit about the sound that we just heard? Absolutely. That is a doorbell connected to a um, camera system that allows me to see who's at the door. And we have two locations where we can monitor who's at the door and let people in. So this is new for the school, um, about, I'm going to say, a few weeks old. Right after January yeah. when we came back. So as the director of a preschool, you have to every day contend with the balance between keeping kids safe, keeping your staff safe, and doing so in a way that doesn't change the school's climate or scare kids, particularly since here you have kids as young as two. So this is like, these are really little ones. So how do you do that? So we really bring it into the whole sense of community and how things work here, exposing the children to it. The doorbell system has been very much a thing of interest to all of the children. You see the parents lifting them up so that they can buzz it, and then so many of them have even discovered the camera in the office. So that's really part of their experience. And um, similar to how we practice fire drills, Sometimes you hear people letting off that big alarm, and that alone is frightening to the children. So what we try to do here is really teach them about being safe and practicing that safety, those safety skills, 
but in a more developmentally appropriate way for children two to five years old. Let's see, we got puppy. Nikki, will you hold puppy for me? And then, all right, we got your hat, your gloves. Oh my goodness, so much stuff. So much stuff to just uh, go, to, go to school each day. All right, kid, are you ready? Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Research for Solutions. Tweet us your thoughts about the episode using the hashtag R4S. We'd love to hear from you. That's hashtag R, the number four, S. To learn more about Somali's research on ACEs and the work of Trauma-Free NYC, check out researchforsolutions.com for additional resources and links. This episode was produced by Joe Rina Ferry, Ajane Truss, Sonali Rajan, and Lalitha Vasudevan. It was edited by Joe Rina Ferry with the help of the Research for Solutions team. Our music is Research Area by Porter Pasina and can be found on shockwave-sound.com. You can find us online at researchforsolutions.com, and you can listen to our next episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back soon.